We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helvin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Tuesday, November 6th, Election Day edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake Latarski is with me today like every Tuesday. Um, it's time to, after you vote locally, you're being nagged by everyone on every social media platform possible to vote. After you vote, then you can uh, make your other selections in the free agent pool, right? But first, Jake, we got to talk about Titans Cowboys. That was it was not fun, right? Yeah, it was not fun. Kind of one of those games that you definitely turn off early unless you've got some fantasy impact going on. I'll vent for just a second. I lost by 0.06 points on that last Deion Lewis run. No. I was up by 20 I was up by 22 or 21 and change, I guess, and uh 0.06 points. So that's the new record this year for slimmest margin of defeat. So got that going for me and that made me fall to 2 and 2 on the week. That's rough, man. That's yeah, really That rough. was brutal. Right. And the guy that I was playing had 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 given it's a keeper league, so he had given up on his season by trading Melvin Gordon for auction money. Did last night change your opinion of Marcus Mariota at all? Did it make you think, huh, maybe he's not as <laughs> to me it was hey, maybe he's not as bad as I thought. For me with Mariota, it's it's the finger thing, and who knows how much that's actually been affecting him. I mean, if you yeah. can't feel your finger on, on your throwing hand, things gotta be a little bit weird as a quarterback. So um I mean, the fact that he came in on the road against a decent defense. I mean, the Cowboys have got some guys. I had uh, um, Demarcus Lawrence as an IDP have a pretty nice game in, in our stake league last night. I mean, they've got some guys, and, and Mariota had an exceptional fantasy day. 
Uh, no interceptions, 21 for 29, 242 passing yards. Ran for 32 in a score, which yep. is a nice 10-point kicker on your fantasy day. I mean, I, I don't hate him. I think he's a viable fantasy guy. I mean, in two quarterback leagues, he's obviously already owned. But, you know, another four buys this week. Uh, not too much going on in the quarterback department. I mean, unless you're a Deshaun Watson or a uh, Kirk Cousins owner. But, I mean, look at the upcoming schedule here for Mariota. Let's see what he's got here and, and if it's and if it's worthy. I mean, might have to play some catch-up against New England. And then he's at Indianapolis, at Houston. You know, okay, decent, not great matchups. And then Jets, Jags. I mean, there there might be a couple starts in there. Yeah, I think you might be right. Um, on Mariota's side of the ball, uh, Deion Lewis played well. Derrick Henry saved his fantasy day with a touchdown. Corey Davis, 6 for 56 on 10 targets, and got, got airmailed by Mariota in the end zone, which was terrible. Mm-hmm. He was wide open. On the other yeah. side of this, so Mark Cooper, 5 for 58 in a touchdown. He got the touchdown very early. He got thrown to in the end zone again on one of the worst passes in the history of the NFL that Dak got picked. Um Ooh. What do, what do you after what you saw from Amari Cooper last night? One we don't want to overreact after one game, which we always say. But I looked at that game and I said, at least I will not have the issues that we had in Oakland, where there are games where he'll get, he'll get target, targeted three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say that he is their best receiver off the bat. I mean, yeah. uh, there's there's little questioning that. I mean. Hurd's got a target. Gallup got six targets. I mean, they had to air the ball out quite uh, more than they intend to on a team with Ezekiel Elliott. So, I mean, if you were thinking about dropping Cooper before, this should definitely cement the fact that you're not going to drop him. I still think he's, I'm not necessarily sure he's a lock for an every week starter. Of course, it all depends on the format, but he, he's the Cowboys' best receiver. And if he gets eight targets a game, then plenty of lines like this are are on the way. Yep, absolutely. All right. Um, before we get started with our free agent selections, remember, we're going to be talk- talking mostly about 12-team leagues, um, $100 fab budgets. Uh, we will make variations along the way if we need it. Uh, percent ownerships, we'll talk about uh, mostly Yahoo, sometimes ESPN. Week 10 buys, Ravens, Broncos, Texans, Vikings. So uh, some mm, cousins and Deshaun Watson are off. Otherwise, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is off. That's a big one. Actually, a couple receivers. Thielen, Diggs, Hopkins. It's a big receiver yeah. week. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it Daniel is a big Sanders receiver too. So mm-hmm. yeah, so you're you're all you're all over the place. We've got a pretty big list of receivers. There aren't, aren't a ton of standout ones this week, but hopefully we'll give you some, some suggestions on guys that are at least available that you know you could fill in some of those spots, wide receiver three spots in need. All right, let's get to quarterbacks first. Uh, last week we talked about Fitz, who had a big week. Flacco, who did not. Baker Mayfield, eh. Derek Carr, oh, that was a disaster. Uh, Nick Mullins. So what do we do? With Speaking this guy? of overreaction, right? <laughs> yeah. So he had a great game. He didn't throw a ton though. Like the volume. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, they won thirty-four to three. But he played great early. It made a lot of everybody, you know, remember. Oh yeah, not that they forgot, but Kyle Shanahan's a very good play caller. Mm-hmm. What do you do with Mullins if he plays against the Giants? Because he's not officially. He, as far as I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, we're talking Tuesday, eleven o'clock Eastern. Mullins hasn't officially been named the starter, but that's what we're expecting. Yeah, I mean, he, our last Rotowire update says in line to start week 10, according to Jay Glazer. And, you know, we kind of wrote the CJ Bathar. I'm looking at, the, at that last one here as well. Expected to remain the 49ers backup. Now, 
Glazer reported that on Fox NFL Sunday in the pregame show before Sunday games. Remember, this game was on Thursday. So we're pretty confident that Mullins is the guy. And I, I don't know. I threw him on here. Speaking of overreactions, I might like some of the stream options we get to better than him long term. And maybe there's a good chance Mullins is best left in the two court in the, in the slight portion of the show that's reserved for the two quarterback league discussions because I know some people in QB flex leagues had to pick him up and start him Thursday and they surely weren't disappointed. So no. why not? Why not roll with Mullins at this point? Yep. Next next week, sorry, next week there's a bye the week after. He's at Tampa Bay. So mm-hmm. not too shabby. Um, all right. Other guys this week, it's a little we, – we talked about Mariota. See, I, I disagree with you here. You've got a note here about Mariota could be forced to play some catch-up. I think that's going to be – I actually think that's going to be a good game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the spread. Patriots yep. are minus seven, and that's uh, well, there's some there's some ugly spreads this week. By the way, Kansas City yes. sixteen and a half point favorites, Chargers nine and a half point favorites, Rams ten point favorites against the Seahawks. I mean, so not definitely not the biggest spread on the slate. I mean, Packers nine point favorites against Miami. So a lot of lopsided matchups this week, and and yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe this isn't one of them, but I think they're going to have to pass. And if they're going to be competitive at all in this game, it's because Mariota's going to have another good game. Right. Um. So he's 27% owned on Yahoo. Andy Dalton is 62% Yahoo, 53% ESPN. Should be a high-scoring game, but it sounds like he's not going to have A.J. Green. Yeah, that could be tough. I mean, Tyler Boyd will be their number one receiver. I think Joe Mixon's going to have to shoulder more of the load. I don't see Andy Dalton as a good enough quarterback like like an Aaron Rodgers where all of a sudden you bring a, a Marquez Valdez-Scantling and an Equinemius St. Brown into relevance by being good. So that could be tough. That might be a tough matchup, but his availability is down because he's coming off the bye, so I thought it was worth a mention. 54 is the over-under on that game. Yep. Okay. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 38% owned. He's playing against the Falcons, whose defense is is not great but seems to be improving. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about that. I think uh, I w- I'd give B- Baker Mayfield a look as a stream this week. I expected the Browns to be completely in shambles, and while they definitely weren't great by any means, I mean, Baker Mayfield had a relatively respectable fantasy day, and I would argue that um, ah, does he have a better matchup? Chiefs are pretty pretty friendly to opposing quarterbacks, but almost 300 yards, two touchdowns and a pick for Baker Mayfield, I mean, that's a serviceable fantasy day. I mean, that's what you'd hope for if you were streaming Joe Flacco or something like that last week, so... As a stream option, again, with a couple of quarterbacks on buys, give it a roll. Okay. Um, other players I want to mention, uh, since we always like to pick on the Bucks, would you consider Alex Smith at 43% on, even though his offensive line and receiving core have been pretty much all taken away? Yeah, we'll get to that when we talk about receivers a little bit. But when his top option is Maurice Harris and he doesn't have much of an offensive line, it gets pretty tough for me to trust him, Yeah, even with the matchup. For, for details on that, The Redskins' offensive line, Trent Williams, their left tackle, should be out again with a stomach injury. Sounds like it's going to be out a while. They also lost their two starting guards uh, for the season with injuries. So the Redskins are just – they're getting crushed on offense with injuries. The other one, I know it's fashionable to hate Blake Bortles right now. And there's good reason to hate Blake Bortles. But the last three seasons, Blake Bortles has finished as a top 13 quarterback. Uh, He runs still. Now, he's been bad real-life football lately. No doubt about that. And they are getting uh, Leonard Fournette back most likely this week. Bortles' rushing stats are still there. If this is a decent game, what's the over-under in this one? I don't have it in front of me. 
I've um, got it at uh, 47. Okay, not bad. So low by 2018 NFL standards, yes. but not low by history of NFL standards. The Colts, the defense has been better lately, but their last two wins that they played well have been against the Bills and the Raiders. So, well, I mean, actually, they gave up some yardage and points in those games, too. Mm-hmm. Bortles, 22% ownership. I, I could be convinced if I was scrambling a little bit. Like, I, I think I like Bortles better than some of the other guys we talked about, like Mayfield in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the thing for me. See, it's going to be a little bit dependent on the status of Leonard Fournette. He didn't appear to have any limitations in practice Monday, which is good for Leonard Fournette. I mean, if he comes back and... I, I mean, maybe they'll be a little careful with him because of the hamstring injury, but I know that in in, in the, the best version of the Jacksonville offense hands the ball off to Leonard Fournette 30 times in a game. So that might limit the Bortles ceiling. I think Bortles might have a lot better, better fantasy ceiling when Fournette is not in there because of the run pass distribution and maybe they have to get a little more creative. I, I just don't know if I can if I can trust Blake Bortles outside of a two-quarterback league. I think I like your Alex Smith option even more with that offensive line in shambles just because of the matchup. We're talking two-row quarterbacks here. All right, um, and two quarterbacks. Uh, Josh Allen might be back for the Bills. So might Derek Anderson. Um, we're going to talk about Nathan Peterman later, but the, Bill, the Bills are not set yet on who's going to play. It's very up in the air this much. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, Panthers-Steelers Thursday night. Big Ben's got a finger injury, but it sounds like he's going to play, right? Yeah, I mean, he thought he, what, what was the quote that he thought he almost died out there? I think he got the wind knocked out of him, and, and that's the image that I had in my head. But officially, it's 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 a finger injury. I'd be shocked if he sits that game, but wanted to make note just in case. Okay. Uh, people, you, so uh, rate your top three. My top three this week, I guess I can't talk about Dalton, so I'm going to go Mariota 1, Mayfield 2, and as much as my heart wants to say Nick Mullins, I guess I'll take your Alex Smith and put him number three. All right. Um, the Rotowire Weekly Projections, Andy Dalton is eight, Mayfield 14, Alex Smith 17, Mariota 19, Bortles 20, Nick Mullins 25. So, I might hack in there and give Mariota a little boost. I think he's worth it. Yeah, I think you might be right. Um, people who you can drop, like you said, we, you know, we talk about 12 team leagues. There's not a lot. If your quarterbacks had his buy already, there's not a lot of reason to keep a second one. Um, guy, I mean, Keenum's got a buy now. You don't need to keep him. If you have him Flacco, if you picked him up to stream, it's a buy Felicia. Um, car is just, you know, that's a disaster over there. So mm-hmm. there's, those are all guys you yeah. can consider dropping. Not going out of the box with those picks, but you know, no. just trying to reemphasize the point where there's no need to roster a backup quarterback at this point. Correct. Running backs. All right, last week we talked about um, Josh Adams is, is an interesting guy. I want to talk about him a little more in a minute. Devontae Booker uh, didn't get a ton of touches. Doesn't get as many as we wanted. Royce Freeman should be back after the bye. Elijah scored at least, though. He scored. He saved it by scoring because I had Booker starting in a league because I was desperate. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I ran into that was some of that too. I, I started Booker and I wound up starting. I had I left Sony Michelle in my lineup because I didn't want to cut anybody because mm-hmm. I got to Sunday night and I had already won, so I left him alone. Oh, there you go. I had the same situation with Gronk where I could have been smart and used Herndon or Vance McDonald early, but I was like, okay, Gronk will play. I'm going to win anyway. I did win anyway, yeah. but I cut somebody else. I think it was Nelson Aguilar, so I could pick up lance kendricks of the packers and hey they, they almost aired it out to him a couple times in that game but ended up taking a zero regardless so again tinkering and getting crafty you i think you did the right thing all right so the third guy we talked about last week we're going to talk about again is elijah mcguire on the jets mcguire mm-hmm. is uh, the ownership level 13 percent yahoo nine percent espn he came in his first game the, for, for what i mentioned to i think i mentioned to joe yesterday when we talked the jets like this guy 
in the offseason, they talked about how much they wanted to get him involved and they wanted him to be, you know, they had Powell and, and Crowell come into the season. They don't have Powell anymore because he's hurt. But they talked about McGuire being the third, round, the third down back. And, and that surprised me because I kind of went, wow, they have Powell and Powell's a good receiver. And he always has been for them. McGuire comes back immediately, 10 touches. You know, he caught the ball out of the backfield a little bit, ran seven times for 30 yards. He's, he's going to get his share of playing time. And if you're especially in a PPR league, I think this guy, he, he should get snapped up by, by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I had actually do a double take when I looked at the snap counts here. He was on the field for 36 snaps and Crowell was on the field for 23 snaps. Trenton Cannon got out there for seven. So th- I think, you know, this, the touches were definitely skewed more heavily towards Crowell, but the snaps were not. So that's something that you definitely need to keep in mind. And I agree with you. He's someone that should probably be snapped up. I couldn't fault you. I think you can get away with a 7 or $8 waiver wire bid. I mean, he's going to be tougher to get this week than he was last week. I don't think you can, you, you'll have to go double digits, but if you really want him or if you're in a 16-teamer, you might. Yep. Uh, I think I agree with you. Um, the other guy, Ito Smith, he's under our threshold on ESPN. He's 32% ESPN, 44% Yahoo. Like, I mean, the Falcons are, they, they're going to, they, uh, they give, they, they let the backs work in tandem. Smith seems to be the guy who runs near the goal line. He's going to get 10, 12 touches a game, most likely, especially if the Falcons are, if they're ahead of the Browns this week and they're going to run more. And I think they're just going to be down the stretch. I think they're going to be a pretty good team. I think they're going to make a nice little run in the second half. Yeah, I started Edo Smith in one week due to buys uh, to Joe Mixon. And uh, I think I'm going to start him again, or I might actually flex him again this week because my other flex option is Eric Ebron, and he's getting stuff taken away by Jack Doyle. We'll talk about that when we get to tight ends. But Edo Smith played 41% of the snaps, Tevin Coleman 57% of the snaps. So Atlanta's not a team you know, over the last couple of seasons, that's going to have their one workhorse, no matter how much Tevin Coleman may or may not fit that bill. So, you know, Smith, I mean, they had a, they had a carry split almost. And, and I, I think that, uh, the snap count distribution is close enough. And at least this week, like you said, great point in the matchup against Cleveland totals 51. I think that there's uh there's room to run the ball on Cleveland and, and Edo Smith could be worth a look at an RB two. All right. Another guy we got to talk about Mike Davis. Mm-hmm. On the Seahawks. Davis, every time he gets a chance, he runs pretty well. And with Chris Carson's injury status up in the air, Davis looks like a pretty, uh, pretty you know, a pretty obvious pickup this week. Yeah, one of those where I don't like it, but I will do it. 73% of the snaps last week, of course, mostly due to Chris Carson's suffering an in-game setback. He was a game-time decision with that hip injury, got into the game, hurt himself. I think Pete Carroll said he's day-to-day, but it looks like for... For whatever reason, Pete Carroll's not going to turn to Rashad Penny and give him a heavy workload anytime soon. And there's Mike Davis. I mean, you can argue that he's one of the uh, one of the top pickups at running back this week. You know, given the field and given the situation. Yep, he ran. He wound up running 15 times for 62. When Carson was out earlier in the season, he carried 21 times against the Cardinals. This week should be different because they're going to be playing from behind against the Rams, most likely. But Davis can catch the ball too. He caught seven passes the other day. So that you know the 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 game he it, it's unlikely that he would get game scripted out of this is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I agree with you entirely. So there, there's going to be work for him. You know, Pete Carroll's in his world, he's not going to throw the ball 40 times with Russell Wilson, even in a matchup with the Rams where they might have to to continue to be able to keep up here. But Davis is going to get his touches while they attempt to manage the game flow. And of course, a little he becomes less attractive with an active Chris Carson. But given the situation with him, I guess you'll have to watch the practice time over the week. But at this point in time, Tuesday, he's worth an ad. All right. 
Cordero Patterson's an interesting guy. Here's the thing. Right now, he's not – he played running back the other night for the Patriots. So if he got cute with Kenyon Barner again, it didn't quite work. Uh, Patterson carried 11 times. He's probably going to get muscled out by Sony Michelle, who's supposed to return this week. Also, Patterson's interesting. He, so he's still a wide receiver on Yahoo, but I believe I saw yesterday on CBS that he's running back eligible. Ooh, let's see. I, I I don't have a CBS. Well, I guess I have a test league that I do, so I didn't get get to catch that. But I wanted to throw it out there because I know all these sites have different position eligibility requirements. And when someone, you know, a few years back when Ty Montgomery suddenly got RB eligible, like that type of thing can be helpful. I know we had discussed that it never really came to fruition, but like Tavon Austin going from wide receiver to running back eligible. Guys that would normally be left on the waiver wire as a wide receiver suddenly get RB eligible and people become a little bit desperate. Now, chances are Michelle will be back and he'll take over that workload, but Patterson didn't run bad against the Packers who have had their bumps. And I mean, that whole Packers defense, half of them all suddenly got injured, it seems like, within a couple series. Nonetheless, it seems like Belichick's more comfortable running Patterson than he is running Barner, and yep. there's some value. There's something to be had there. Um, Patterson also running back eligible on ESPN. So Yahoo's the holdout among the big ones so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise here, Alfred Blue, I'm, I'm not going after one of these guys. I'm not doing it. He, he, played, yeah. he, he and Miller split last week. Miller's so infuriating. I don't need another infuriating mm-hmm. Texans running back, I don't think. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're in a deep league and you're yeah. thinking about stashing, what, what Deontay Foreman? Have we discussed this? I don't. He's I haven't checked up on his week, status. Right? I haven't checked up on in a, in a while, so that's a good reminder. Let's go ahead and do that. He's going to resume practicing week ten. I don't know if that necessarily means he'll be activated immediately, right. but I am stashing Foreman in a sixteen-team league. Uh, there's there's a couple stash guys, but at least one more in particular we should get to before the end of uh, the running back discussion here. And when I said back this week, I, I meant practice, not games. So he, they've got a tw- once they activated him from the pup list, uh, they've got a twenty-one day window to to put him on the active roster. So um, keep fantasy stat- playoffs. Just saying is it right now? Now again, Deontay Foreman. Let's not get too crazy because it's an Achilles injury, and it doesn't. You know, let's not expect him to be one hundred percent. And all systems go. We're, it's going to be wait and see. Alfred Morris, you mentioned, with Mostert getting hurt, I guess Alpha's, I mean, he's back in the mix by default, right? Yeah, it's by default. It's not someone you really want to pick up, but it's somebody that you might have to have faced with a tough decision on Sunday morning. All right. And that's all we're going to say about that because he's not exciting at all. Uh, the last one, uh, you mentioned one handcuff option. One, the one you mentioned is Malcolm Brown, but, but at this point in the season, we're heading to week 10. Should owners start to think about handcuffing more and getting rid of the dead weight like you know their fifth running back or things like that i'm typically not a big handcuff guy but in this situation there's malcolm brown at three percent owned and Gurley is so dominant and he's such a huge part of your fantasy team and i'm guessing you're going to the playoffs if you ended up with the first pick and drafted todd Gurley. um if you own him you should almost definitely handcuff him with brown at this point because we're starting to almost creep up on that point where we're going to get after buys and the benches will become, you know, you have, you'll have a little more flexibility there. I think Brown is absolutely worth a look. I mean, I, it wasn't necessarily that awesome tiptoe sideline uh, touchdown that he scored this week, but I mean, that showed some of his athletic ability. And even if Malcolm Brown is able to produce, say, 60% of what Todd Gurley is able to produce, he's still an RB1 in fantasy over those last couple of weeks. So I think you better cover your bases with him. Not many running backs I'd say this about, but Gurley, Brown, that'd probably be one of them. All right. And uh, speaking of dominant running backs, still no sign of Le'Veon Bell as we talk 11-22 Eastern. Might be next week. 
Tick, um, tick, tick. Who's your uh, the other guys I want to talk about? Josh Adams, are you at all interested? It's a three-man committee, unfortunately. He might be the best runner, but it's still a three-man committee. Yeah, I mean, I, I consider it, and we did talk about it last week, um, mostly because last week was just a, just a super dry spell across the league for fantasy running backs. This week, I think there's a couple options, so he doesn't quite make my top three, but he's on the radar in deeper leagues. He's one of those uh, one of those watchlist guys, if you can click that little flag on, on your fantasy website of choice. All right. Um, the last one is Theoretic in PPR. Any interest? In PPR, maybe. It's another one of those ugly, ugly moves. Uh, wouldn't crack the top three, but... Of course, we try to cover as many formats as we can on this show, and and I suppose uh, there's there's a chance. You like Theo Riddick almost in a similar light as you like a Jalen Richard, except I would probably lean towards Jalen Richard in that particular case. I think Richard might actually fit our threshold. If you're looking for that type of back, I guess is what I'm going for. Well, Richard's 52%, so I'd look yeah. at him first if you're looking for that type of back. All right. Um, rank him. Rank him. I think I go Edo Smith number one. I think there's going to be enough touches for him and enough scoring opportunities in particular. After that, I hesitantly say Mike Davis. Again, that situation is very much in flux. You'll have to watch the practice reports all week. And because we don't really have a set format for these, I, he might get a bump over Davis, uh, you know, and he might be the, one of the better ones long term. But I think Elijah McGuire goes into that top three. I think all three of those guys are worth at least a modest bid this week, even a zero dollar bid just to keep your league honest. Yeah, Dave, Davis has the most upside this week if Carson's out. But we don't mm-hmm. know and that the, yet, yeah. unfortunately. So, And I like the other two much better rest of season. Maybe it's because I blew a third of my fab money on Edo Smith when Devontae Freeman went on IR, and I, and I want to stick to that decision being right. But I actually think the percentages and, and the carries and the scoring potential are enough to make him number one back again, at least in, in terms of our discussion. All right. Uh, drop-wise, one guy you mentioned, we talked about Mostert already. Uh, he's done for this season. Latavius Murray is back. Now, so the Vikings are off this week. But for next week, you know, Dal- Dalvin Cook is – He's just better than Latavius Murray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no question there. Unless you're cuffing, then then Cook's going to most likely take over the rest of the way. Yeah, this is one of those situations where I'm not a huge fan of cuffing. When we get to these middle tier guys, I think there there are better backs, better upset free agents that you can use the roster spot on when you're cuffing. I mean, just, but just someone like Gurley that's so impactful. That's who you need to cuff. At this time, I would still hold on to Latavius Murray, even in a 12-teamer if you can. But but again, if, if I'm in a 10-teamer and I need to make a tough roster move because of buys, I'm not sure how many snaps there are, maybe 25% of the snaps you know, at best if they want to be careful with Cook. But that's roughly what I'm seeing for Latavius Murray the rest of the way out after the buys. So there's going to be tough roster decisions, and that could be one of them that I just wanted to throw into the mix. All right. Uh, receivers. So we talked about a bunch of guys last week that no, it, they kind of didn't. Short term, they didn't work out. Sutton's going to be a real Sutton's going to help people. I mean, Sutton had like a nine point PPR day. Yeah. That's that, that's serviceable, right? Um, we talked to Devontae Parker, who was a little disappointing. Uh, DJ, uh, DJ Moore was it David Moore or DJ Moore? It was DJ Moore. Sorry, I didn't specify that. I think Chris Samuel had the better fantasy day than DJ Moore, but rest of season, I, I more still on the radar, especially if yeah. you're in the keeper league. Yeah, DJ Moore's a, I mean, he's he's going to, I keep saying, he's going to be a really good receiver. It's just a matter of how soon they start feeding him the ball because mm-hmm. there's a lot of options there. Yeah, maybe uh, he's your George, George, George you know, Callaway. I, I, get, I get attached to some of these players, but I do see where you're coming from with Moore. Yep. Um, all right, for this week, so your Packer guy, uh, uh, you, you have, we have targets and, and, and honorable mentions that Jake likes to do. And, and it surprises me, and because you're such a, a, a Packer guy, I want to delve into this a little bit. 
Marquez Valdez Scantling is 39% owned on Yahoo, 20% ESPN. I mean, I'm I'm in. I'm all in on this guy. I really he's talented. He's Rogers seems to st- be starting to trust him. It, it it seems to me that this is a a heavy pass offense that has room for this guy to produce. And mm-hmm. and the, the, the upside in the second half of the season is that he's the number two option in their passing game for me. Mm-hmm. What, yeah, what, even as a Packer guy, I had to talk myself into it a little bit. Um, just because there are so many options when he spreads the ball around. There's no question Devontae Adams is number one. There we have it. But the general train of thought prior to this week was that, uh, you know, Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison kind of checked in ahead of Valdez Scantling on the depth chart. And when you talk about uh, pecking order for targets, even Jimmy Graham was probably ahead of him. Then he comes out and he has a big 100-yard week. Uh, the thing that started to change my mind was Rodgers being able to trust him with downfield throws. There was a third and one in that game where – I don't know, it was like 15, 20 yards downfield. And Rodgers, I don't want to say jump ball with Rodgers because I feel like he, he's got a little more touch than that. But uh, he trusted Scantling to go up and get it in a crucial moment in the game. Of course, that's before that game got out of hand. We could talk about the Aaron Jones fumble. Um, and we can talk about the roughing the kicker. All those kinds of things uh, affected the game. But anyway, back to Scantling. Again, a number two wideout, it seems, in this offense. And, and, and that's a big deal. And I picked him up in a 16-teamer. I'm certainly not dropping him. His availability in 12-teamers, because, of course, some of these leagues that I'm in, a lot of Wisconsin guys, the availability is not there. But I think you could make a case that he, I had him as an honorable mention, but he might be one of the top pickups overall this week because he's someone that I feel pretty good uh, outproducing Geronimo Allison the rest of the way. Randall Cobb's not quite what he once was, and he's a different type of receiver. You get Randall Cobb in the slot, you get you use him in different creative ways. You don't really look to him downfield. He's not that long receiver that's going to go up and suddenly get one anymore. And that's what Valdez Scantling is. And there, there, there was, there's, going to, there's going to be some disappointing weeks. There's no doubt about that. But I think the good ones will outweigh the bad ones. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cashback, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. All right, next up, we mentioned him earlier real quick. Uh, Maurice Harris from the Redskins. He had 10 catches for 124. He was sort of the, you know, we talked about how the Redskins' offense has been decimated. Well, you know, Josh Doxson, he caught a touchdown, but he's just kind of okay. Paul Richardson's out for the year. Uh, Crowder, we're not sure when he's coming back. Someone's got to catch the ball there. And they're playing the box, which means someone might catch a lot of passes. So it could be Maurice Harris again. I mean, you know, the underneath. I mean, Alex Smith's not the biggest downfield thrower in the world either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking at this, I think I, I wrote down Maurice Harris because I was sifting through box scores. And I was like, whoa, where did the 12 targets come from? But when it comes down to who I'm going to pick up, 
I think I'm going to get back on that Josh Doxson train. I know it was on that all last year, and it was a little bit disappointing. And it's very tough given the whole Washington situation. You've got Alex Smith, a quarterback who doesn't really throw downfield. You've got a decimated offensive line, so the quarterback's not going to throw downfield, even if he does get enough time to throw downfield. But I'll take the first-round draft pick with the pedigree over the undrafted free agent in this particular case. Doxson can go up and get balls in traffic. He can help make up for some of the Alex Smith inadequacies, if you will. So originally that you look at the box score, you think, dang, Maurice Harris, I should pick him up. I think Doxson's really the guy you want. Okay. Next up, um, with Nick Mullins last week, Pierre Garçon, let's see what we got. Eh, five targets, three catches, 56. Any interest there? 25% owned on Yahoo? I'm going to say that's a little bit of a mirage. I cut him back in week three, and I'm not looking back. If you remember the specific play that Mullins found him, it was a rollout play where Garcon ended mm-hmm. up just absolutely wide open, and then he scored. I don't think you can count on that on a week-to-week basis. All right. Anthony Miller had another you know, five-catch game for the Bears. Allen Robinson might be back this week. Miller's 11% owned on Yahoo. I like Miller. I just don't see the volume. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. it would help if uh, Robinson sat another week for Miller's prospects. The one thing that was intriguing for me is Kevin White was a healthy scratch. He played 29 snaps the week before. So maybe there's enough snaps there. Miller has scored, I think, before this season. Chance at a deeper league, you know, but don't feel great about it. Again, you got a second-year quarterback on a team that probably wants to use its backs first before airing it out. All right. Um, Adam Humphreys on the Bucks, slot guy. So he goes 8 for 82 with two touchdowns in a game where they were down, I think, 35 to 7 or 28 to 7 and then 35 14. But they still got Evans, they still got Jackson, they still got Godwin, and they still got OJ Howard. So this mm-hmm. one, yeah. like, I'm, I'm looking at this guy, I'm going, I don't see this. You know, we've, we've seen games like this, I don't know about this good, from him before where you see the volume tick up and then he goes away again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this kind of has to be a situation where you're picking between Humphreys and someone like Chris Godwin, and I don't really see how you can count on that on a week-to-week basis. I mean, Godwin scored touchdowns in four of his first five games and has been shut out in three straight weeks. You know, maybe you can buy a narrative that the quarterback change helps Humphreys, but again, I'm, I'm going to put this on game flow. I mean, for what it's worth, the Bucks are going to be behind and airing it out in a lot of games this year due to those some of those gaping holes in their defense. But again, he's someone that you you have an emergency. Maybe Tampa Bay plays in an afternoon game for whatever reason, and your wide receiver three is a surprise inactive, and you got to pick someone up. Maybe that's one of the names you look at because there's a ceiling here now, at least. Yeah, I mean, he played more snaps than Jackson and Godwin on Saturday, mm-hmm. and Mike Evans. Maybe he was just, maybe just they just committed to double covering him, but I believe that it was one of his worst games of the year, and I don't really see that as a pattern, but. Something to keep an eye on, I guess. James Bradbury shut him down is what happened. It was pretty There cool. you go. Um, all right. Uh, Willie Sneed, another low-ceiling PPR, you know. Mm, <laughs> you know, he's, it's, it's, it's viable if you're digging deep in PPR, and that's about it. All right. Rank your top three. I mean, Valdez Scantlin is a clear-cut number one, and then after that it gets really hard to rank him because they're all kind of crapshoot guys. I mean – I wrote down Garcon and Humphreys, but kind of looking at some of your guys that you threw out here, I would probably put Christian Kirk at 26% owned over both of those guys, especially at Kansas City this week. Um, but after that, I mean, I'll bid on Scantling if he's unowned. I'll maybe pick up Kirk in a league if I need him, but I'm not actually, I'm not in any leagues, even in my 16 team or where I'm ready to start placing bids on any of these other guys we talked about. Yeah, and the one guy I, I added here, 
if this would be a stash for me, and it depends on your roster construction and how deep your bench is and all that. But uh, John Ross, AJ Green sounds like he's going to be out for the Bengals for a few weeks. No surgery, but he's going to be out for a little while. Uh, John Ross was practicing on Monday, so he might be back from injury. I know at the beginning of the year, he was, there was a lot of chatter about him as being sort of a breakout candidate, and it didn't happen, and they started throwing a Tyler Boyd all the time. But, uh, I mean, they might not have a choice, you know what I mean? I mean, Ross might have to get, get in the mix sooner rather than later and right now. So that, that would be a guy I, I might like to put on a bench if I could. And he's 4% mm-hmm. on yeah. Yahoo. At the very least, put that watch list feature to use just so you, you can see what's going on. I'm looking at the passing game options here right now. Obviously, Tyler Boyd's going to be number one. John Ross seems to be a li- is he a little banged up still. He's been dealing with a groin injury, so that maybe makes you step back a little bit. But yeah, looking down that depth chart, I mean, you got Tyler Croft out. Uzoma's not a pass catcher. None of those other tight ends scream, I'm going to throw the ball to him. And you, you know, after Tal- Tyler Boyd, you're looking at John Ross. Alex Erickson. So I think the running backs will get, absorb a lot of those targets and, and they'll try to get creative, but I do see where you're coming from. And I think he has a spot on the list. All right. Tight ends are next. Um, and by the way, Paul Richardson, we mentioned now for the year for the, uh, for the Redskins. So drop him. We still have him. tight ends. Last week we talked about Hayden Hurst. Uh, and then the other guy got the touchdown. Um, Andrews, I think again, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Charles- yeah, you, you, you put that right on the head, John, last week. You're like, eh, you know, Hurst has the pedigree, but that's going to be a, a carousel of tight ends. So it's very tough to judge. And it's really lim- – you pick these guys up in, in a gronk emergency like I had on Sunday night. Yeah. We, 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 funny, Joe and I talked Friday. We, we do the we, – we sort of revisit this segment and we do the, you know, break glass in case of emergency for Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I, and under tight end, my third entry was any random Raven. <laughs> but you don't know who it <laughs> yeah, is. Basically it, yeah. So, um. So Jack Doyle, he's still right at our threshold, right? They were on a bye last week. That's the only reason I can think of why why that is acceptable. Yeah, but Jack Doyle, he's he's 40%-ish. He came back against the Raiders and went, after missing five games, he went six for 70 and one. He, he, he put a huge, you know, pop the balloon for Eric Ebron owners. But Jack Doyle, I mean, luck likes luck seems to like this guy. And they keep him on the field. I mean, I think he blocks well, and Ebron doesn't. But Doyle stays on the field, and they seem to like throwing him. He's had three games this season. He's got 15 passes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a very t- difficult tight end year where you can't even trust your Rob Gronkowski's of the world, Doyle needs to be on across the board, guys. I, I don't know I don't know what's happening here. I, I understand people had tough bye weeks. Six teams were on a bye last week, so maybe you couldn't afford to stash him. But just given the tight end climate, man, this guy needs to be on your roster because – He's someone you could conceivably flex, even if you do have a good tight end. So there's no reason to leave his, his availability sit at this level. All right. Um, other guys, we, we mentioned the Ravens. I mean, Andrews Andrews has caught more touchdowns than the other guys. Uh, he might be an option. Jeff Hyman from the Broncos caught 10 passes uh, before yesterday, before Sunday. His only good games were against the Chiefs. I think he got four passes in the couple of games against the Chiefs. Everything else was ones or twos or zeros. And uh, he caught 10. They got to buy this week. I still don't know if I'm buying this one. Um, maybe it's mm-hmm. di- maybe it's different. The re- the argument for Jeff Hireman is that well, maybe they throw to him more now that Demarius Thomas is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least there's some context in the offense to throw that out there. But whenever I see double digit targets from a tight end, I you know kind of turn my head around and go, okay, what happened here? Right. And this is one of those situations. All right, um, Ben Watson had a nice game Sunday, but he's sixty percent owned on Yahoo. Uh, Chris oh, Herndon. I totally missed that. No, it's okay. Chris Herndon four for sixty two again, no touchdown this time, but caught a bunch of passes again. He's still only 13% owned. I mean, the Jets, yeah, I thought, the receivers are banged up. I, I, I think you kind of have to – we're always scrounging for tight ends, Jake, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I thought that he was going to be out of commission once Quincy Anunwa came back, and Quincy Anunwa was only 12% owned. He was the favorite target over there. He got he caught three passes on four targets uh, in week nine, and, and they, have, they have Buffalo next week. But, um, yeah, I mean, Herndon, okay, I, I picked him up. In my Gronk League, had to start him, you know, that break glass in case of emergency situation. Had to start him in a previous week without Gronk, and he scored. Worked out awesome. I'm not cutting him is what I'm saying, and that's a 12-team league. So if that gives you any kind of perspective on what I think of him, it's okay. He's someone we talked about, I think it was two, three weeks ago. Yep. So, but definitely worth a rehash. I'm glad you brought it up, John. All right. And uh, so basically, so Doyle's your guy if you can get him. Um, and otherwise, yeah, no doubt about that. I think for this week, Herndon's probably second. So, yep. Yeah, I would give you that. I'd, I'd put Herndon over uh, the Hoyermans and Andrews of the world. All right, streaming defenses. So I'm looking at the Rotowire projections for the week, and the New York Jets are the number one defense on the list. So there is going to be, as my friend Matt Moore had a line growing up when we played baseball. We see a guy on the other team that wasn't very good pitching, and Matt would say, "There's a fight. At the, there's going to be a fight at the bat rack when this guy pitches, because everybody <laughs> wants to get up." Well, there is going to be a fight, a, a fist fight on your waiver wire for everyone trying to pick up the Jets' defense this week. Mm-hmm. You might actually have to spend bad money on a defense. Would you? The over/under on this game is thirty-seven. What I, I would spend one dollar because to me, one dollar is inc- inconsequential in the long run. But you might have to spend three, four dollars to get him, and I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I, so I'm we'll with see. you. I'm more likely to wait and hold out for uh, Jerry's article to come out on Rotowire. I don't know if you ever checked that out, mm-hmm. but uh, Jerry writes this awesome streaming defense article. He's a pro at that, and it's been very, very helpful for both DFS and season-long purposes. Quick plug for that. But, um, yeah, I'm more likely to wait out and look for that. But I would I, I would put them on your list as a $0 bid just so you don't have to be the guy that's up at 3 a.m. trying to claim the first guys that didn't get bid on. Bid 0 bid a dollar. I mean, if you have 90 to 100 bucks left, what the heck? Right. Go for it. I mean, there's no reason. You can't take it with you. So secure your win. You got to win the week. Fantasy is all about winning the week. Every win matters in your playoff hunts. So go for it because I think they can get you double-digit points this week. Okay. Um, now, and one thing to remember about that, Jets are 40% on Yahoo, by the way. But one thing to remember about that is that the Bills do not know who their quarterback's going to be. I mean, it might be Peterman. might be Allen. might be Derek Anderson. None of them are very good. But, but th- this ranking is a Peterman ranking, not an every bill ranking, I think. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, of course. Um, otherwise, your Green Bay Packers are 23% owned on Yahoo. And They're they ridiculously gonna injured. But host Brock Osweiler. Yes. You know, again, checking all those boxes. Of course, if you don't get the Jets as the top pickup this week, yeah, you go ahead and look at the Packers. They're nine-point favorites. 47.5 is the over-under. And we're looking at Brock Osweiler. What kind of Brock Osweiler do we see? I don't know. They could be hurt a little bit. I mean, they're almost their entire secondary went down at some point. At least they've got Breland playing at this point. But, you know, they traded HaHa Clinton Dix, and then everybody got hurt. So if they don't have Blake Martinez, he's a huge playmaker on that defense. That's going to be a problem. And there are a couple other guys that I'd watch for. But, you know, on paper, the boxes check out a little bit. All right, um, next one on the ownership level. What about the Falcons at 15%? Not a great defense, getting a little better. Uh, 15% at Cleveland against Baker Mayfield. I'm, I'm going to pass on that one, John. I, even though they're getting better, they're on the road, and I think Mayfield has can at least put some points up on him. He can escape pass rush. I don't think that's going to be a super uh, you know 
fruit, uh, fruitful day for the Falcons defense. All right, next one. One I skipped over. That this was on my list. The Niners at twenty percent at home on Monday night against the Giants. The Niners have been very inconsistent on defense, but they have a talented defensive front, at least a first round pedigree defensive front. And the Giants' uh, offensive line is um, is uh, shaky to say the least. You know. I didn't see this one when I was checking my boxes earlier, but over-unders 43.5, San Francisco at home, where they're favored against the Giants. So I could see it. I could see them getting in there. I, I, I like them I like them actually better than the Falcons. I wrote down the Colts at home against Bortles as well. I probably think I like the, Fal- the Niners a little bit better than the Colts in that situation too. But, yeah, so, so they're in play. Yeah, so Colts home against Bortles, and the Colts are 8% owned on Yahoo. So if you want them, you got them. All right, let's say, how about this, Jake? Rank them, taking the Jets out of the picture because they're the obvious streamer. Rank your next three. I'm going to go ahead and be a homer, say Packers <laughs> number one, uh, Niners number two. You could make a case for the Niners number one. And um, I know you think Bortles has got that upside, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Colts at number three. Okay, gotcha. All right, that's it, folks. If you have any questions uh, about you know, who should I drop? Who should I pick up in place of them? Should I pick, you know, the uh, Marcus Alda Scantling over this receiver I have? Tweet us. Jake is at jakeski52. I'm at jhalpin37. Jake, what else you got going on? You got a lot of college basketball going on. Yeah, it's that time of year, believe it or not. It creeps up on you quick. I know a lot of people tend to forget about it while college football is still going on. But huge, huge, huge games tonight. we got Kansas and Michigan State. Uh, Duke and Kentucky are both playing, so definitely worth tuning into. I mean, Ain't no football on Tuesday nights, folks. So while you're making those fab bids, uh, watch some college basketball. DFS is back for college basketball, so you can go to RotoWire. I put, I wrote myself a huge breakdown of the opening night slate, and then of course every single day we're going to have lineup optimizers, value reports, a massive injury list. We keep a track of it better than anyone else. If you haven't jumped on RotoWire yet, go ahead and go to RotoWire.com/pod. Get that free trial because. I think you're going to win some money with this one. There's, you know, there's tons and tons of resources out there for some of the major sports, but then you get to these smaller ones and it gets a lot more focused and a lot more narrow. And I think we cover it better than anybody else in my own probably biased opinion, but college hoops tonight and uh, definitely check that out if you can. So am I, am I jumping all over Zion Williamson tonight? Am I in? At, see, for me, I, I'm not actually because uh, Zion, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, those guys are all very, very highly priced. And I know the last time we had college basketball DFS in 2015-16, it took a while for those guys to catch up. Not necessarily the case because they have tough, they have a pretty tough matchup against Kentucky. So they'll, they'll have good games. The over-under is high. But I'm leaning towards guys in softer matchups like the Luke May of North Carolina. He gets Wofford. He had 17 and 14 against them last year. I might look at Eric Pascal from Villanova, who, you know, another very soft matchup and uh you know there's some blowout potential there but I'm, I'm going for the more sure things the established things and still until i start to see how those uh how those do shot selections break out because the price level pretty similar pretty similar is right but that's a lot of college basketball information again i'm looking at jake's opening night preview right now there is a ton of great stuff in there i think i'm gonna play a little college basketball dfs tonight just because yeah jake get yourself some information um i broke down every game for you guys love it all right again jake mentioned that that free trial it's a free 10-day rotowire chart rotowire trial rotowire.com slash pod go check it out no credit card needed for that folks if you like the podcast please leave a review and a rating uh wherever you listen we'd appreciate it thank you for listening to this edition of the rotowire fantasy football podcast we'll be back on thursday derek and i'll be here with our game by game preview of week 10 so please come on back then for jake latarski i'm john halpin see you next time